Rob here again. I thought it would be good to follow up my podcast about progressive sanctification with the podcast about rewards. You see, there are some seriously great eternal benefits for those believers who strive to not only be obedient to the scriptures, but also to keep themselves holy and blameless, i.e. sin cleansed. Now, if you listened to my last podcast, then you know what I mean about being holy and blameless, i.e. sin cleansed. So with that said, let me share another sound Bible teaching with you that is just not taught in most churches. The Bible says that any believer who receives an eternal heavenly reward or blessing or honor in the next life will only get those rewards, blessing or honors because they have earned them. Can I get an amen on that? Our Heavenly Father does not reward or bless or honor his children in this life or the next life if they refuse to obey his commandments. And our Heavenly Father does not hand out rewards for simply getting or being born again. Amen? Christ did all the hard work for that salvation process to even be available in the first place. It doesn't take any work to become a believer in Christ. Now, walking with Christ is a whole different ballgame. And brethren, there are no participation trophies in heaven. And if you are not genuinely striving to serve and walk with your Savior as you go through your Christian journey from earth to heaven, you're going to be kicked off the island on your judgment day. Now, I'm not saying that any believer who is truly born again and who died a carnal life, which can happen, will end up in hell. But I do personally believe that the Bible teaches that true born-again church-age believers who die with an unrepented heart are going to have some serious consequences at their judgment. Now, I'm not going to go into it right now, but I believe that the Bible teaches that Christ paid not only for mankind's sins at Calvary, but also paid their sin debt. So basically, I believe that a true blood-bought, born-again child of God, because of unrepentant sin, can end up forfeiting or tossing away their eternal life. And when a carnal Christian forfeits their eternal life, they are basically throwing away their opportunity to spend their eternity in a sinless paradise, living in a sinless body, enjoying the eternal fellowship of the Lord and those other believers who faithfully serve the Lord. There are tons of Bible verses about this topic. I will share this concept of forfeiting one's eternal life in a future podcast. Again, there are some bad eternal consequences for carnal, unrepentant children of God. Here is a biblical example of Christ himself talking about a dark, ominous place he calls the outer darkness, where God's carnal, unrepentant children can't end up. Matthew 8, 11 through 12. I, Christ, say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now again, I do not believe that this outer darkness is hell. However, it is still not a good place for any child of God to spend their eternity. A place of outer darkness is a place where there is no glory or light of the Lord shining in. And any place in eternity that has darkness filled with weeping and sorrowful people is most definitely not paradise. Because in paradise, God's faithful ones will experience the joy of the Lord as they walk in the light of the Lord, not weeping and sorrow and outer darkness. These verses that Christ shares in Matthew 
chapter 8, verses 11, 12, are speaking of both heavenly kingdom things and of a bad place outside of God's heavenly kingdom. And yes, as I read in the verse, sons of the kingdom are believers who died, and in eternity the Lord deems them unworthy or carnal to live in paradise because they were not faithful or worthy. God decides this, not us. This is why the Apostle Paul commanded believers to walk in a manner worthy of your Savior. Brethren, if it was not possible to walk in a manner worthy of the Savior, the Apostle Paul would not have encouraged the brethren to do just that. Amen? So any believer who ends up in a place of darkness with eternal weeping and sorrow most definitely did not receive the type of eternal life that is spent with the Lord. Brother Bob, are you telling me that God's people can spend an eternity away from the Lord? Absolutely. When was the last time your pastor shared that teaching with you? Let me be crystal clear. Christ taught in the Bible that a believer could forfeit, i.e. throw away or walk away from the eternal salvation. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And Christ summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, then he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Ouch! Where is the love, Christ? Said sarcastically by me. Way too many believers in the church have evolved the holy and just Savior into a puffball Savior, all mushy and soft. Christ's words are very seldom mushy and soft. Now put on your spiritual thinking cap. Why is Christ speaking about believers and not lost people when he speaks of forfeiting one's eternal salvation? Christ is speaking about believers forfeiting their eternal salvation because lost people cannot forfeit, i.e. throw away or walk away from that what they never had to begin with. Amen? So what Christ is saying is that someone who truly was born again did or said something that was so rebelliously and sinfully egregious, like openly and unrepentantly denying the gospel of Christ they once professed to believe in, that the Lord severs his spiritual salvation ties with them and disowns them. When was the last time your pastor taught you about that? Now again, as I said over and over again, the Lord is not hoping or assuming or even demanding that his children walk perfect in this life. He knows that we never will. He is simply looking for his children to continue to strive to do their very best. And whatever comes our way that we cannot handle, God's grace will be there for us. And when we occasionally fail him, which we will do, the Lord expects us to get ourselves up off the ground and repent and use the sin-cleansing blood of Christ to wash away our sins and keep moving forward while looking upward. If you are not a believer who is genuinely committed to serving your Savior, again, not perfectly, but diligently, while down here on planet Earth, you most definitely are not going to be honored in heaven. John twelve twenty six. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
I will touch more on this at the end of the podcast. However, here's a little teaser. There's going to be a great big kingdom feast in heaven someday. And only those whom the Lord deeds worthy will attend this heavenly feast. One of the events going on in this great banquet in the sky will be Christ publicly honoring the faithful believers by introducing them to the Father. John 10, 32-33 Therefore, anyone who confesses me before man, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Wow. More tough but true words for the church. So do you see a good eternity for any believer who the Father is ashamed of? Just close your eyes and picture Christ saying to the Father, Dad, you do not want to get to know Brother Bob. He was a lazy, slothful, worldly-minded child of yours who was more excited about talking about his favorite football team than he was to talk about me. Ouch. If that does not motivate a believer to strive to be faithful, nothing will. If you find yourself getting spiritual lazy or spiritual complacent, I would encourage you to go back to the image of Christ hanging on those spikes, paying for your sins. And while you're doing that, remind yourself again what you deserve. Hell. Christ says in Matthew 5.19, whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I do not know about you, but I would love to be considered great in God's heavenly kingdom. It is not arrogant to want to do that. The Bible says do that. Now, I'm going to share something that I nearly share in every podcast. I am not biblically stupid. I completely understand that if it was not for the Lord coming into my mind and heart, once I got born again, I could care less about serving and walking with Christ. And I am quite aware that a part of God, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of me. However, I also know that I have been a faithful, not perfect, but faithful believer for 44 years. I know what pleases the Lord because the Spirit taught me those things a long time ago. I know what displeases the Lord because the Spirit also taught me those things a long time ago. So I know because I know God and I know God's Word, and because I know God's Word, I know what I need to do in order to walk worthy of the one who suffered and died to save my sorry butt from hell. And it is entirely up to me to choose to want to do those things which please the Father. Brethren, let's stop trying to push all the responsibility for believers choosing to walk righteously onto the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a helper, not a doer. God's children are the ones who are supposed to be the doers. James 1, 21 through 22. Therefore, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Are you listening to that? But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. I bet you are not taught verses like that by your shepherds very often. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. And how about, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Don't you see the spiritual laziness in just having someone else tell you what to believe? Instead of studying God's word for yourself and then believing and obeying what you learn. The verse that I read previously in Matthew says, but whoever keeps and teaches the truths of my word 
shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Christ is clear. Obedience to his word and then sharing the truths of his word with others will get you a special honor in God's heavenly kingdom. So what are some of the conditional requirements for being honored in God's heavenly kingdom? Well, we just saw obedience to his word and then sharing the truths of his word will make you great in the kingdom of God. What I just read in Matthew chapter 5 is one of the many places in the scriptures where believers are told about the conditional requirements for getting God's rewards, blessings, or honors in the next life. God's people really need to understand this so that they can be sure of living a great afterlife in God's future kingdom. You see, contrary to what many of you are taught, the next life is not going to be a better life for some of God's children. Ending up in a place called the outer darkness is not a good place to spend your eternity. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details about what the scriptures teach about a believer's place or ranking in the future millennial or in the new heaven and earth kingdom. However, I will say this. The scriptures are crystal clear that not all of God's children will be seen the same in the next life. The more faithful you were down here, the more honorable or better rewarded you are going to be in heaven. Now, what I'm sharing is not some imaginary fairy tale that I just made up in my mind. The Bible shares this concept over and over and over again. The more faithful you are down here, the more you will be rewarded and honored in the next life. Here is just one example of what I'm seeing. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of my name. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this great heaven reward is conditional. The condition being righteously suffering for Christ's sake. It is important to understand that if believers suffer for being spiritually arrogant or for being spiritual jerks, there is no reward. When I picture spiritual jerks, I picture that unloving Baptist church that travels the country holding up very harsh, unloving, unchristlike banners that praise the death of American soldiers or praise the slow death of homosexuals. So put your thinking caps back on again. Why would a godly, Jesus-loving believer be insulted or persecuted in the first place? Come on now. It is because they are being a faithful believer. They will suffer persecution because they are living Christ-like. They are not suffering because they are closet Christians. They are boldly but tactfully sharing the truths of God's word with a world that hates the truths of God's word. 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. One way to avoid this persecution is to be a closet Christian. No one will bother you if no one knows that you are a believer. Christ goes on to say in Matthew 5.12 For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you know your Bible, you know about those Old Testament prophets. They did not suffer because they were quiet about their faith. In fact, there's a lot of similarity between what was going on in spiritual Israel and what the church looks like today. There were times when God's people in the Old Testament actually lost the Mosaic teachings, the law of God, and they couldn't find it. It would be similar to the church age people not knowing where their Bibles are. Well, the church is not in that bad a shape Yet, however, 
most in the church are to the point where they just do not know anything beyond the basic kindergarten stuff about God's word. But you see, most of the believers in the days of the prophets of Jeremiah, Nehemiah, and Isaiah were carnal, or at least very lukewarm to the things of the Lord. And as a result, they hated. No, they detested the spiritual truths that the Lord had these prophets share with his obstinate, rebellious children. Some of these carnal believers literally killed God's prophets. I share all this to say that the great heavenly reward that Christ mentions in Matthew chapter 5 is a reward that was earned for being faithful. And sometimes it's even faithful unto death. Revelation 2.10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you'll be tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The verses that I just read are Christ talking to the believers in the church of Smyrna. Do not let anyone try to tell you that the Christian life is like a walk in the park. Because these fools will tell you, if you are doing your walk right, it is the Holy Spirit doing it for you. And if it is the Holy Spirit doing it for you, it will be easy. That concept, my friend, is a lie. Now, it is a lot easier to be a faithful believer in America than it is in most other countries in the world. But even in America, you will face persecution, mocking and ridiculing and be ostracized many times by church people if you stay true to God's word. Right now, I need to encourage those believers who see the importance of striving after these eternal rewards and or blessings that the Lord promises for his faithful ones to stop listening to all those sanctimonious, pious-sounding religious phonies who try telling you, I'm serving Jesus because I love him so much. I'm not really doing it for the rewards. Kissy, kissy, huggy, huggy. To which I say, if they really, genuinely love Christ so much, the way he desired to be loved, then they would obey his words. John 14, 23 through 24, If anyone loves me, then he will keep my word, and then my Father will love him, and then we will come and make our abode with him. If he does not love me, he will not keep my words. So all those mushy Jesus tears without obedience to God's commandments are wasted tears. Anyways, Christ has commanded his followers in Matthew 6.20 to pile up treasures in heaven. Now, I know that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but even for me, it is pretty easy to figure out what Christ is saying. Only a biblically ignorant believer would think it was wrong or selfish to desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at their judgment. Now, you are aware that not all of God's children are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at their judgment, aren't you? You are aware that only those believers who strive to do as the Lord commands will hear those honoring words, well done. So, you were under the assumption that all of God's children were going to be blessed in eternity, weren't you? Not so. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-14, Now if any man or woman builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each person's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed or tested with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. If any person's work which they have built on remains, they will receive a reward. Notice it takes work to get this reward. And not only work, but the right kind of work. 
some of the religious gibberish going on in the churches today is going to get burnt up. The Lord expects his children to be about the Father's business right up to the very end. Colossians 1, 22 through 23, Yet Christ has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now, this is normally where most Bible teachers stop, but Paul goes on. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. So what happens if you do not continue in the faith? You will not be holy and blameless. There is no glory or honor in doing a job for the Lord halfway. There are no heavenly rewards for part-time believers. There is no place for the idea, well, I was faithful most of the time, Lord. Are you aware that there is going to be a wedding in heaven someday? And Christ the bridegroom is going to marry the pure and faithful in the church? Now, I am not going to get into the details of the heavenly wedding events. But let me say this. Just those believers whom the Lord deems pure and faithful will be at the wedding feast. Revelation 19, 7-9. But let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen. Bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he said, These words are true. Are you listening to what these verses are saying? The wedding clothes of each individual believer are earned by the righteous, i.e. God-honoring, Bible-based acts, i.e. good works of that believer. These wedding garments are not going to be handed out to the lazy or worldly believers. And there will be no wedding for the once betrothed believers who have not kept themselves pure and holy through the sin-cleansing blood of Christ. The impure, i.e. non-sin-cleansed believers, will not even get invited to the wedding of the Lamb. I bet you never had your pastor teach you that either. Oh yeah, scriptures are clear. Christ just marries those he deems pure i.e. wash clean in the sin-cleansing power of his blood and those he considers faithful to him. Isn't that just the kind of bride that a husband is looking for? One who is pure and one who is faithful to him. This is one more reason why it is important to be seen as being holy and blameless, i.e. sin-cleansed as a believer. Anyways, this is another topic for another time. Back to my reward topic. Being ready for the return of the Lord means to be busy and diligent about the Father's business when the Lord returns. Now, I'm not going to get into a lengthy discussion on the importance of staying busy for the Lord until he returns or until he takes you home in this podcast. Obviously, the wicked, lazy slave in Matthew chapter 24, who did not think that the Master was coming for a long time, was living a flippant, carnal, worldly-minded life, and it cost him an eternity. What I want to focus on in the parable I'm about to read about the talents is how the Master, i.e. the Lord, responds to his slaves according to what they have done or what they have not done for him. Now, let me share this right up front. God is represented as the master in this parable, and the slaves are God's people. These slaves are not lost religious people. The good Lord knows that lost people cannot do righteous things or earn a reward in heaven. There is no heaven for lost people. Remember, the Bible says that lost people are cut off from God. And only faith in the gospel of Christ can establish a relationship between a holy God and a sinner. 
So, brethren, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, understand that when we get to the other side, the Lord wants it to be us that chose to serve him. He doesn't want it to be the Holy Spirit who served him for us. What kind of love is that? When somebody else loves somebody for you that you want to love. He wanted it to be us, and I want it to be me. I want it, I want it to be that I had a skin in the game, and it was, it was my heart and mind that wanted to please the God who hung on nails for me. Okay, so this is going to be um, part one of a part two podcast. You are going to have to uh, check out part two to get the complete story on this topic. God bless. Speaking the truth in love because God knows his church is hurting for spiritual truth. Again, you can reach me at robobforhim at gmail.com. That's B-R-O-B-O-B, number four, him, at gmail.com. gmail.com.